Good day. I hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful week. Welcome to another edition of Crossfade Bible Ministries, Bible Studies. And we're going to press on and end the Gospel of Matthew today by covering verses 11 through 20 in chapter 28 in the book of Matthew. But before we move on to today's lesson, let's kind of review from last week. And in last week's lesson, we seen where it was Sunday. The day after the Sabbath is what the Bible had told us. And we learned that at the dawning of that morning, and remember we said that dawning has to deal with light. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world. So we've seen that very morning, Sunday morning early, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to Jesus' tomb. Now they went to Jesus' tomb expecting to see a body. They went to Jesus' tomb wanting to anoint Jesus' body with oil and with spices. Because according to Jewish tradition, that's what you did. That was a proper burial. So they go to the tomb. But when they reach the tomb, we've seen that there's a violent earthquake that takes place. For the angel of the Lord had come down from heaven, the Bible told us. And that angel went to the tomb. And that angel had a specific job to do. And that job was to roll back the stone and to give a message to the women. Now remember, in Scripture we said that women relates to revelation, relates to redemption. And we see here that Jesus has resurrected, which means redemption, which means they're going to reveal to his disciples what took place. And we've seen that this angel sits on the stone. He rolls back the stone, he sits on it. And the Bible tells us that his appearance was like lightning. His clothes was white as snow. And the guards, the Roman guards that were there protecting the tomb, when they seen this, the Bible says they feared. And they shook. And eventually they ran off. But the Bible also said before they ran off, they became like dead men. In other words, they were paralyzed. They couldn't move. They, they were in amazement at what they witness and what they had seen and the angel turns to the women and he tells the women do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified but he tells them he's not here because he has been risen just like he said he was you see Jesus over and over remember these women although they wasn't part of the 12 disciples they followed Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry and, and they seen the miracles. They heard him teach. They heard him say over and over that he was going to go down to Jerusalem during Passover. And that he was going to be betrayed and he was going to be beaten and he was going to be flogged. And he eventually going to be put to death. But he also said this, that on the third day that the father would be raising him from the grave. So the angel tells him, he's not here. He's been crucified just like he has told you. But he also tells them this, you need to go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen. Tell his disciples all that you've seen. And also tell them that Jesus is waiting for them in Galilee. Because if they go to Galilee, that's where they're going to see him. So we know that the women, after getting this message, they were joyful, but they were also fearful, the Bible says. Right? And on their way to telling the disciples, Jesus met them. 
And when they know it was Jesus, when they seen it was Jesus, the Bible said that they seized his feet. Which tells us that Jesus is worthy of our praise. And Jesus tells them, do not fear. Do not be afraid. See, 365 times in the Bible, you hear that phrase, fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. So Jesus is trying to tell us something here. That when we put him first place in our life, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, that there's no need to fear because Jesus is with us. And when Jesus is with us, when we surrender to him, when we put him first place in our life, Jesus never will leave us nor forsake us. We can bring all our worries and all our troubles to Jesus. There's no reason to stress. There's no reason for anxiety because Jesus is going to take care of the situation for us in his time. According to his plan, according to his will. And if we surrender to that, and if we don't doubt, if we truly have faith, then we end up more in victory than defeat. Amen. So we see that Jesus tells them, Go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee because there they will see me. So the title of today's lesson is The Guards Report and the Great Commission. And what we're going to see in today's lesson is, is that the women, while on their way to tell the disciples something happens to those Roman guards, and those Roman guards, you're going to see today, go to the Sanhedrin. They go to religious leaders. And they tell them all that they have witnessed. And you're going to see that the religious leaders devise the plan. They bribe the Roman soldiers. They give them money. Right? And they tell them, you say this if people ask what happened. But we're also going to see at the end of today's lesson that Jesus meets up with his disciples. And Jesus gives them a message. And that message is part of, of what we know as the Great Commission, where he tells his disciples, you are to go make new disciples. You are to go throughout the world, throughout the nations of every tongue and every language and tell them and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus right here is speaking about the Trinity. So that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. And let's finish off. The book of Matthew today covering verses 11 through 20. And this is what we see in verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city. And they reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him. And we'll keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Then they saw him and they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. So let's go back to verse 11. 
Verse 11 states this. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So let's look at that first text. That first text says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards. Now, we know that these guards were Roman guards. And if you recall the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, they were concerned about something. You see, they had listened to everything that Jesus had said. They heard Jesus say over and over that he was the son of man. They heard him say over and over that he was going to die, but he was going to be raised by the father on the third day. So you see, they were thinking about the promised resurrection that Jesus had said. Therefore, they had the tomb secure because they went to Pilate. So nothing can happen that would allow his disciples to say that he had been raised from the dead. See, that was their biggest concern because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They, their concern was if his disciples hear him say this, then they might secretly roll back the stone in the middle of the night, take Jesus's body and move it somewhere else. Thus, you had all those people that followed Jesus. Because remember, wherever Jesus went, there was a large following. And, and you'd have an uproar, you'd have an uprising knowing that Jesus is resurrected. Now, they didn't believe in the resurrection, but they, they believed that his body, they, they, you know, his body would be moved. So they go to Pilate and they tell Pilate, you need to put a guard out there. And Pilate, we know from a couple of weeks ago in the lessons that we see that Pilate put a guard or several guards guarding the tomb. But Pilate also put a seal on the tomb, meaning this, that anybody who would roll back the stone if he was caught would be sentenced to death by crucifixion. So we see here that, that they heard Jesus speak about his resurrection many, many times and their concern. And let's continue on with the scripture. So while the women were on their way, so the women, remember the women... The angel of the Lord told him, go tell his disciples that he has risen. So they take off and they're on their way. But the guards, if you remember from last week and what we just stated, <clears throat> reviewing last week's lesson, they were fearful. They were like dead men that became paralyzed. They couldn't move. They were amazed at what they seen. But after they get over this amazement, they are so fearful and afraid that they take off running. Well, where are they running to? But the scripture tells us right here, they go to the chief priests and they go to the religious leaders. They go to the Sanhedrin and they tell them exactly what took place, exactly what they seen. Now, you know this, that the chief priests, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, man, they weren't pleased with this report. See, they weren't pleased with the report because it's going to undermine everything that they were trying to achieve. You see, they weren't interested in the power of God. They weren't interested in the resurrection. In fact, they wanted to conceal the resurrection. And this tells us that they weren't kingdom-minded. And remember, kingdom represents resurrection. You see, if you, if you are kingdom-minded, then what you're going to do is you're going to want to obey God. You're going to want to do His will. You're going to surrender to the Holy Spirit. But when you're worldly-minded, in fact, the Apostle John actually tells us this in his first epistle where he tells us that when we are a friend of the world, then we're not walking in the love of God. In other words, we're not going to be demonstrating his will. We won't be demonstrating his character. So let's go back to the verse. We see that in this verse, these guards, 
They go to the high priest. They go to the religious leaders and so forth. Report all that took place. Verse 12. When the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan and they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. So we see here that they want to bribe the religious, I mean the Roman soldiers. They're going to give them a large, the Bible says a large sum of money. Now we're going to get to that in a minute. You see, they don't want anyone to find out the truth, the religious leaders, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin. And you might ask why. Because they are of this world and they hate truth. And we know this, who's the truth? Jesus, he's the truth. But we also know this, that they hated Jesus. So we see that they come up with a plan. They're gonna devise a plan to be deceiving, to be conniving, so to speak. They're going to pay off the religious leaders to lie. Verse 13. And they tell them, you are to say this, that his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. So their plan was to tell anyone that asked what happened. They say, if they ask you what happened, you tell them. That in the middle of the night, his disciples came and they took the body to make it look like Jesus was resurrected. Now, they're lying, but this lie is not a good lie. And you might ask, why is that? Because when a, a soldier is on duty, they don't sleep. Especially in this time and age, a Roman soldier. Because by law, by Roman law, if a Roman soldier was caught sleeping on the job, sleeping while on duty, then that soldier automatically received the death penalty. And what was the death penalty? Death by crucifixion. So knowing this, you can see why they paid a great large sum of money. Because it's the Roman soldiers who have to lie. And if the governor finds out that the Roman soldiers slept on the job, those soldiers' life is on the line. They will be put to death. That's why the religious leaders, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin, they bribe them with large sums of money. Verse 14. They also say this. They tell the Roman guards, if this report gets to the governor. Now, who's the governor at this time as Pontius Pilate? Remember, the nation of Israel was divided into four sections and Pontius Pilate was the governor over what we know as Jerusalem today. So they say, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the leadership basically is saying this, that if it gets back to the governor, that you have no need to worry because we're going to come to your defense. We're going to make it right with Pilate. This is why the scripture says we will satisfy him meaning Pontius Pilate, the governor, and keep you out of trouble. So this shows us here that the religious leaders in the Sanhedrin knew Pilate on a personal level, right? If you go back to the story of Barabbas that we talked about a few weeks ago, we know that Barabbas, he, he, the, 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 the Bible says that, that he was a rebel, right? But, but he was a rebel and he rebelled against the religious leaders, why? Because he's seen through the religious leaders. He's seen that they were in cahoots with the Roman government, with Pontius Pilate. And that angered him. So he rose up against the religious leaders. And this scripture right here just verifies what Barabbas was thinking, that Barabbas was right all along, right? And we also see in another scripture from a few weeks ago 
that we know that the religious leaders go to Pilate privately and ask Pilate to put a gourd. They go to Pilate's house, the scripture tells us, and ask Pilate to put a gourd in front of the tomb, to guard the tomb because they were afraid that somebody might steal Jesus's body. So this scripture right here just verifies even more that the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, they knew Pontius Pilate on a personal level. Verse 15. So the script, so, so the soldiers took the money. So we see here that they take the bribe. And they do, the scripture tells us, as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So Matthew's saying here that this story was told and believed to most of the Jewish people, basically all of Israel, for 20 to 30 years after this took place, from the time that Matthew wrote this gospel. So we also see that the leaders of Israel, we can say, concealed the truth. We can say that they were deceiving. Why? Because they didn't want to lose power. They didn't want to lose control. They didn't want to lose the things that they had built up. So you see, to them, you can say this, that their position, money, power, all the things of the world was more important to them than Jesus. Was more important to them than the truth. So the question that I have for you today is, what's more important to you? Are the things of this world more important to you? In other words, maybe a position, maybe a title, maybe money, maybe power. Or is Jesus first in your life? Is the truth of God first in your life? You see, the truth is the Holy Bible. And you need to know the Holy Bible. You need to get with a good teacher, a good pastor to teach you the Bible. But they can only feed you through the Holy Spirit. But it's up to you to discern this by yourself after learning a little bit. You see, the more you study the Bible, the more you spend time in prayer, the more you, you are led by the Spirit, then the Spirit reveals things to you. And a Spirit might reveal things to me what He don't reveal to you. So do you want to know truth? Is truth leading you? Is, is truth prevailing in your life or the things of this world is more important to you. You see, as we move closer to the last days, you're going to be challenged more and more about who truly is the Lord of your life. Is it Jesus? Is it the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Is it the Lord of the kingdom of heaven that's more important to you? Or is it the things of this world that's more important to you? See, being a disciple is not easy. Being a follower of Christ is not easy. Because when you surrender to Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to move and you put Jesus number one in your life, first place, then those friends that you have that's maybe not so holy, maybe not so spiritual, there's going to be a separation. Be because you in the light and they in the darkness, so to speak. And, and I'm not passing judgment on nobody. I'm just telling you a fact. That as you become more and more in tune with Christ and the Holy Spirit, you're going to see your friends start separating from you that is not in the light, that is not following the Spirit. So what I'm saying to you is being a disciple is not easy. 
Following Christ is not, you're going to lose friends along the way. But you're also going to gain people that need to hear the word, that need to be saved. And that's what a disciple is all about, is you're going to find out at the end of today's lesson. Because Jesus commands us. It's a command that he gives that we are to make disciples, new disciples to enlarge his kingdom. And that's the purpose why you was born. That's the purpose why God made you in his image. Was to enlarge his kingdom. Amen. So again, the question I have for you is this. Today, who's more important in your life? Is it position, money, power? Is it a job title? Or is Jesus, our Messiah, our Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, is he the most important aspect of your life? Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now we see here that they say there's eleven disciples. Now why eleven? Because remember, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, he just committed suicide. Remember, it was three days that Jesus was crucified. And Jesus said on the third day, I'm going to be raised. So Judas Iscariot committed suicide four or five days before this takes place. So Right now, there's just 11 disciples. That's why the scripture says, then the 11 went to Galilee, right? So we see here that these disciples, they listened to the women. When the women told them concerning Jesus, that Jesus was waiting for you in the Galilee, we see that they take that and they go. Now, in, in another gospel and in the book of Acts, we see that the 11 were fearful. When, when they know that Jesus died, they go to the upper room, where they had the Last Supper, and they locked themselves in the room. And they don't want to get out. So in, in, in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus comes to them first before Jesus meets them again in the Galilee. But right here in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, it doesn't say that. It just says that the 11 went to the Galilee, right? And remember the word Galilee means to reveal something. So we see that Jesus has a message for his disciples that he's about to reveal to them. And look what else the scripture says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now in the Bible. Biblically. The word mountain. Oftentimes relates to some type of government. Or some type of empire. So Jesus tells them go to the mountain. Now why mountain? Because government has authority. And we're going to see that the concept of authority will play a very, very important role in the last few verses in this chapter. What we're going to see is this. Jesus is telling them that I have supreme authority over the world. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. So we see here that this is spiritual obedience that they show here. Because they worship him. This tells us that Jesus is worthy of our praise. This is what the scripture tells us to do. It tells us to worship our Lord and Savior. It tells us to worship our Redeemer, to worship Jesus. This is a requirement. You see, if someone doesn't do this, then they're not a believer. If someone doesn't do this, then, then, then you can basically come to the conclusion that they are in the dark. They are walking in darkness. And if they continue to walk in darkness, then they're not going to be saved. 
But look what else the scripture tells us. Look what else takes place. The scripture tells us, but some of the disciples doubted. Now the word doubt here appears only twice in the whole Bible. It appears here and it appears again in Matthew 14, 31. So what does this word doubt mean? It means standing at a crossroad. In other words, you are in one place where you have to make a decision right then and there. You see, these disciples, they were with Jesus for three, three and a half years. They know who Jesus was. They seen the miracles he performed. They heard him teach. They saw him perform miracles on, on many, many people, hundreds of people. They knew what just took place with the resurrection because Mary, Magdalene and the other Mary told them. See, something that Jesus had predicted over, over and over and that they heard. So they knew that he was the son of God. They knew that he was the Messiah. See, he was fully man, but he was fully God. But there was a small part of them that doubted if this was really God in the flesh. And why? Why did they doubt this? Because of their religion. See, Judaism, they don't believe this. They don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. So they were struggling because they have been brainwashed for many, many years. Even though they had witnessed for themselves the miracles. Even though they, they knew he was the truth. You see, and the message to us is this, that we cannot be deceived by man. That's why it's important to know the truth of God, to know the Bible. Not to, not, let's, let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Yeah, you can listen to a teacher. You might be listening to me right now. But what I encourage you to do is to go read the scriptures yourself. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Because the Bible is the truth of God. See, we all involved in some type of religion. Just like the Jews were here. Right? And re remember what I said, religion's man-made. It's man-made rules. It's what religion is. The truth of God is the Bible. Written by God through certain people, certain individuals that God anointed and God gave them messages. So the Bible is the word of God, amen? The Bible is the truth of God. And what you should believe is the Bible. And only the Bible. And if you're not believing the Bible, if you believe in a man that's man-made rules, then that's idolatry. And that's just what, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the word of God here. So what we need to do is, is concentrate on the Bible and the truth. And if the message that I'm sending you today is pricking you, that's not me pricking you, that's the Holy Spirit. Telling you that maybe you need to reevaluate things. Because what man-made rules do, they have a tendency to brainwash people. Just like these disciples here. Although they seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle, they heard him teach. They heard him talk about that he was the son of God, that he was going to go down to Jerusalem, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to be beaten, he was going to be flogged, he was going to be put to death, but on the third day he would raise, be raised by the Father. And all of this took place, but yet they still doubt. Why? Because of what their religious leaders told them. Because of religion. So some of them are denying the truth based on man-made rules. 
And the message for us is we can't rely on man-made rules to get us to heaven. That we got to rely on the truth. We got to rely on the word of God. And how is that done? Through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we, remember how I always tell you how Jesus, he takes New Testament scripture that he says, but he always relates it to something that happened through the prophets in the Old Testament. And we see something very, very similar that the prophet Daniel spoke about. Daniel 7, 13 through 14 says this, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. What Daniel's seeing here is this. Daniel had a dream. God put a dream in Daniel. He gave Daniel a vision and a dream. And Daniel's saying right here that in his dream, in that vision that God gave him, that he looked up and he saw the Son of Man. This is speaking of Jesus. And Jesus was coming in the clouds of heaven. And Jesus approached the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days here is God the Father. And, the, and Daniel says in that dream, as he approached the Ancient of Days, he was led into his presence. And, and it says right here that the Ancient of Days, who had all power, now has given power and sovereign power to Jesus, the Son of God. And the, the, Daniel says right here that all nations and people of every language worship him. So this is speaking of Jesus going before the Father, going before our Heavenly Father. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. You see, a son at some point takes over for his father. And this glorifies his father because the son carries out what the father intended from the very beginning. And this is what's taking place here, right? And this is still true today for us. Jesus commands us to go out and make new disciples. You see, each of us has a talent, a gift that God placed inside of you. And he wants you to take that gift and he wants you to take that talent. And he wants you to make new disciples for the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to tell people about Jesus, about the kingdom of heaven, about the goodness, about his love and his mercy and his compassion. But he also wants you to speak about hell and judgment. He wants you to speak the truth. Verse 19. Look what Jesus tells them. Therefore, he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the word go means follow his command. In other words, he's telling them, go. He's giving them a command. Follow what I'm telling you, he's saying. So we see here that Jesus is saying the gospel is for all nations. Because he says, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus tells his disciples, go and find new people. Tell them about me. Tell them about the kingdom of heaven. And when you tell them about that, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling his disciples, go make new ones. So we see here that the gospel, it's not just for Jews, but it's for all the people in this world. Doesn't matter your language. Doesn't matter your origin, 
Jesus is saying, go make disciples into all nations, all languages. Remember, we said this a few weeks ago. We studied this probably, I said two, a couple of weeks ago. It's probably a couple of months ago where, where Jesus had sent out his disciples in pairs. But he sent out his disciples in pairs and he tells them to go to the Jewish people to preach to them about the kingdom of God. But we know that the Jewish people, most of them did what? They denied him. They rejected the gospel. They rejected the good news. But right here, right now, he's telling his disciples, go throughout the world. And he says, baptize them in my name. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see here that Jesus' words affirms the reality of the Trinity. Now there's some people say that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. And the word Trinity, that is true, it's not found in the Bible. So they say the Trinity is not real. It's not necessarily true because right here you see it's real. Because Jesus tells them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. So we see here that there's three entities, but there's really one. So this is speaking about the Trinity. So the disciples were to go to the people and baptize them. Now why baptism? Because baptism unites a believer with Jesus Christ and his death to sin. But not only that, it connects them to Jesus through the resurrection of new life. Amen. You see, baptism shows submission to Christ and his willingness to live in a godly way. Verse 20. And, teach them, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will always be with you to the very end of the age. So let's look at that first text. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That means to teach, to observe, to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the goodness of his kingdom. So the word command here, he's giving us an order. He's telling us we need to observe. We need to follow. So Jesus is saying it is our job to see that other people, other disciples also do this. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, he's always with us. Going into eternity, he's with us. The Bible says that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. That we can depend on him. Now, when he talks about the end of this age, he's talking about the earth as we know it today. You see, at some point in the near future, this earth as we know it today is going to be changed dramatically. Because when Jesus comes back at the second coming, he's coming back to get rid of evil and wickedness. He's coming back to transform this world as we know it. And we know when he comes back, he's going he's to bound Satan, the Antichrist, He's going to throw him into the lake of fire and he's going to bound him for a thousand years. And for a thousand years, he's going to reign on this earth. Jesus will. And that's called the millennial reign. And after that thousand year period, the devil's going to be let loose again to run rampant on this earth. But we know in the end that Jesus wins. We know in the end that Jesus locks up Satan forever. He locks up the Antichrist forever. The false prophet forever the bible says in the book of revelation 
And as soon as that's done, at the great white, after the great white throne judgment, he separates the sheep from the goats. We know that the new heaven and the new earth comes down from heaven. And we know that all things now are created new. This is why the scripture tells us, right? Through the Holy Spirit, that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. That's why it's important every day to get in prayer. That's why it's important every day to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you. And remember, Jesus' promises always come true. And that promise to us is that if you know him on a personal level, if you study the truth of God, if you follow the truth of God, if you put him first place in your life, if you repent of sins and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, that you one day will inherit the eternal kingdom of heaven. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week starting a new book. We're going to be studying, starting the book of John, the gospel of John. Until next week, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Be a blessing to someone this week. Be the light in this dark world. We love you guys. We appreciate you listening. Have a blessed week.